would just ask that you move your vehicle as the fire department reserve. I'd like to invite you up here to hear what you have to say. Hey everybody, I'm Tony, I'm an alcoholic. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here tonight. Uh, this is the first time I'm doing anything like this. So, uh, God willing, I've chatted with him a little bit before I got into this meeting, so we'll see where it goes. Uh, it's obviously a different than a lead, but I will qualify where my roots come from from the way I view sponsorship now. When I got into AA, I didn't do it very well. I wanted to check some boxes off. So I could get a few things back and I I got a sponsor, Mark H, very early in my sobriety. And I got Mark because my counselor at outpatient and my wife, Betty, told me I needed to get a sponsor. So there was a box I had to check. Checked it off and I got Mark. And I used to say Mark wasn't a very good sponsor because I wasn't getting better. That wasn't it at all. Because I would show up at Mark's office down on A Street every week. I would show up at his office, he would open up his book. I would open up my book and we would read it. And he talked to me about the steps. You know, he did. That's what we did every week. He was on the phone calling. I would call him. I didn't listen. So my first experience with a sponsor didn't work out too well. You know, and I ended up being miserable in AA and I found a reason to not be a part of Mark's world in AA anymore. I let Mark go. Mark didn't let me go. We got up to step six and seven. I remember that because I did the fourth and fifth step with him. We did all of that. He did it just the way the book said to do it. He gave his time to me. That's what he did. I said, Mark, will you do this for me? And he said, yes. That's what our book says to do. So I proceeded to get miserable in AA. Okay, I didn't have a sponsor, I wasn't doing what the book said, and I became very miserable in AA. Until it got to the point where it just, I couldn't take it anymore. And I had a conversation with my wife about how miserable I was, because she has a year more sobriety than I do, and she was doing AA the way the book talks about it. She had sponsees, she had a sponsor. Her sponsor, Nancy, is the reason I say I'm here and Beverly, who was Nancy's sponsor. One to another to another. Nancy gave my wife, through sponsorship, her God, and showed her how to use her God in her life, and my wife got well. So here I am, miserable, and she's just enjoying life. Enjoying it, on the phone, gabbing, going out for donuts, going out for dinner, hour early to the meeting, hour after the meeting, all that stuff. And I didn't like her for that, because I was miserable. I was worse in AA not drinking than I was when I was out there. And she explained to me, well, you have to do this thing, Tony. You have to do it the way the book, the book says to do it. She kept referring to the book. Okay, and it was like a switch. I just started going to AA. I just started talking to the other guys. I started to pick up the phone. I started to do all that stuff. I didn't have a sponsor still, but I started to do it all and it got really good in a hurry. It got better, so much better. And I remember being up at the Hill meeting. I don't know if it was Sunday or Thursday night. I don't know which, what night it was. It was up at the Hill 
And this was a little bit of time after I started doing this stuff, a young man walked up to me and he said, hey, Tony, will you be my sponsor? And that's what I did. I just stood there and looked at him. Because I couldn't. I couldn't be his sponsor because I didn't have one. And I knew that. And I knew I couldn't be his sponsor because I didn't have one. Because I can't do what I don't know. You know, I can't. So I ended up getting a sponsor, Tim. M. I liked Tim. He was a little rough around the edges. He was a little blunt. And Tim and I reviewed what I did with Mark. We went back and looked at that fourth and fifth step. We went back and looked at my character defects. We talked about making an amends and how I make amends and all those things, how I got to go out and I got to fix things. I don't just say I'm sorry. And Tim was big on 10, 11, and 12. The meat and the potatoes of the program, 10, 11, and 12. These are what's going to keep you sober, Tony. And Tim was very big on, we don't sit in a chair and wait for somebody to walk up and ask us to sponsor us. That's not what our book says. Our book says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to find another alcoholic that we could help. I'm paraphrasing there. But having had the spiritual awakening, it's my responsibility to walk out to you and say, hey, can I help you do this thing? You know, because our book also says nothing is going to ensure our sobriety is intensive work, intensive work with another alcoholic. So I took that to heart. I really did, because I was miserable in AA. Then it was wonderful in AA. And I said, well, I'm going to do it just like the book says. I am just not going to waver from this thing at all. Okay? So I started doing that at meetings. When, and we're lucky. Our book talks about sponsorship. And when we get there, it talks about going to see a rabbi, go see a priest, go see a therapist, go to the hospital, to find these people who need you. Because let's remember, when we got this book was written, they were sending it out in the mail to some poor individual that God knows where they were to get sober on their own. All right, so you had to go find somebody after you read the big book and after you did the steps on your own. The big book, to me, is a sponsor. It's a sponsor. It's that first hundred talking to me. And if you read it like that, I try to get my guys to read it like that, like it's a sponsor, it's the first hundred people actually talking to you about getting sober. And if you look at it that way and you treat it like a sponsor, because they tell you their stories, you get Bill's story, you get the businessman's story, the guy in the carpet slippers, you get the jaywalker, you get the insanity, you get all of that stuff. That's what I do with my guys. That's what anybody does with their guys. They talk about the insanity. So we get that familiarity going back and forth and we understand each other. Then they start talking about a God. You know, do you have a God? Why do you want a God? Do you believe in a God? That's what I do with my guys. <coughs> the big book is a sponsor. It's that first hundred. How intimate is that? I mean, it really is. But they're actually talking to us in this book and they're telling us how they did it. You know, it's amazing to me. It's absolutely amazing to me. So I started doing that. I started walking up the guys after the meeting, because we're lucky. We go to a meeting, and a lot of meetings say, are there any new people here? And they raise their hand. It's that easy. All I have to do is walk over to them and say, hey, I did this thing. Would you like some help doing these steps? Because I'm available to do it with you. And that is so different than what happened to me. Because honestly, 
Nobody walked up to me when I came into AA. Nobody walked up to me and stuck their hand out and said, Tony, can we do these steps with you? They didn't. I had to walk up to somebody else. And honestly, I was not in the right frame of mind to even be judging who could be a good sponsor, let alone pick one. I was just checking things off. And by walking up to somebody, two things happen. A responsibility is still put on them. When I walk up to somebody and say, hey, I'm willing to do this thing with you, I'm doing what the book tells me to do. I'm going to try. T-R-Y. That's all I'm going to do is try. And I'm doing it with my higher power. I'm relying on my higher power to do this thing. It's not me that's ever going to get anybody sober. It's that person that I'm chatting with and their higher power that's going to get them sober. Now I've just made them feel a little bit welcome because I've stuck my hand out. Hello, how are you doing? But the responsibility is still in their lap. I haven't taken that away because they still have to say yes. You know, they still have to say yes. Plain and simple. And hopefully they do say yes because I need to do it. Nothing has been better than sponsorship for me in this program. Nothing. So Tim left, and I ended up with another sponsor, Eric. Eric is definitely different about God than Tim was, and we more we aligned more with our higher powers and our spirituality and how we saw the program. And Eric is a very 10, 11, and 12 guy, and a very much we walk up, we grab somebody, we do this thing with somebody. We don't sit in a chair and wait for somebody to come to us. To me, that's like sitting in the living room with a banging headache and hoping the aspirin bottle walks into the living room, pops itself open and gives it to me. It's just not how the book explains it. But I'm not knocking anybody if they don't do it. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. For me, I've got to do it like the book says. And I'm going to always go to the big book. Always big book. Because right now as we sit here tonight, and I say this every time I talk, there's some kindergartner out there right now, little boy or girl, six, seven years old. They're going to be an alcoholic. There's one of them out there. They're going to come in here. These doors have to be open. And the same program that got me sober, I want to be available to them the same way I got it. So I'm going to stick to the same instructions that were given to me right here in this book, plain and simple. I'm not going to try to vary it. And when I read the book, I've got a lot of pages marked in here, but I, I read the book every day. I enjoy the book. I really do. In the beginning, because that's so far from where I was in the beginning. I read it every day. And I'm a firm believer in when I work with a guy, we're going to do the steps and we're going to get the steps done. Because I read Ebby coming to show up at Bill's house. And when you read about it, Abby had a couple of months in the Oxford groups. He wasn't waiting around. He showed up at Bill's house because they told me how to get out there and do this thing. And there was Bill. He started going to the hospital immediately trying to find drunks. Immediately he was trying to find drunks to work with. And then when he was on his business trip, and he made the call to find Dr. Bob. Him and Dr. Bob. It wasn't very long before Dr. Bob and him were in the hospital looking for AA number three. Bob. Didn't take long. They got down on their knees right there in the hospital, said their prayers, started to make their amends, started to look at their list. They just did it. And they went out and found AA number four, the three of them. 
immediately. That little span, if you read it in the book, it's only a couple of months before they got AA4. They're not waiting around for somebody to come and pat them on the back or give them a good handshake. They're doing it. Let's get this thing done. Why would we want to sit around and be miserable when the solution is right here? So I talk to my guys. When I get a guy, what I usually start off doing with them is I ask them to read the book. Please read the book, the first 164 pages. You read it as fast as you want. And when you're done with that, we'll go back and start working the steps. And please call me every day. Because I'm trying to get a little bit of a tie-in from them. You know, there's got to be some commitment on their part. It's their program. And I emphasize that highly to them when we start off. This is your program. It's you and your God. We're going to talk about that and get you there with your God. It's not my God and it's not me. I am not getting you sober. My book says try. That's all I can do is try. Fail more than I've ever seen somebody get sober. My God just keeps giving me somebody to work with and hopefully their God gets them sober. And we talk about the first three steps because I'll meet with him weekly and we will read the book just like Mark did with me. We'll crack that book open and we'll start reading and we'll start talking about the steps. And I don't have a measuring stick or a guide that says, you know what, he hit all the bullet points for step one, he's done. I don't have that. To me, steps one, two, and three are very intimate steps for who's ever working them. That's an inside job. That's them and their higher power. They can tell me they have a God and they believe in it. I don't know it to be true or not. I don't. And there's no way I could possibly tell. I can maybe feel it and guess a little bit, but that's on them. But what I do hang on to when I'm working with somebody, I hang on to it very, very tight. I hang on to it very, very tight. I'm going to go to the book for this one. Okay? I'm going to go to the book for this one. It's in step three. Step three. Okay? We made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. We made a decision. But at the end of step three, when we're going into step four, and I've talked to my guys, they've told me they've got a God, they believe it. It might be just a little inkling, or maybe they have a great belief. It's varied over the years. Step three says, at the end, going into step four, next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action. The first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us have never attempted. Though our decision, step three, was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous, a strenuous, well I lost my place here, strenuous effort to face and to be rid of the things in our past which used to be blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom. We had to get down to the causes and conditions. Now when I'm sponsoring somebody, I can hang on to that. I can measure that. I can say to somebody, okay, we're going to do step four. You've just committed to step three to me. You've told me you've got on your knees. You've told me that you talked to your higher power and that you're willing to turn your life over. Okay? And I always kid them. I say, this is what you're paying me for. This is what we're going to do. So if a week goes by, two weeks go by, I can go right back to that statement. I can go right back to that statement and say, this doesn't look like launching, doesn't look like strenuous, it doesn't look like vigorous to me at all. 
So did we really do step three? Did we really do it? And usually one of two things happen. They'll fade away, or they'll say, you know what? You're right, let's get to it. And we start moving through it. Because I have never ever fired anybody that I've sponsored. I've heard that term used, I fired them, they weren't doing the steps, never. Oh my God. To me that just, I don't know, it just sounds ugh, terrible. Who am I to say I'm gonna fire you? What I might do is just talk a lot of more AA at you. I won't ask you about your wife, your kids, your ball game. I won't ask you any of that stuff. I'll just talk AA, real hard and heavy, and let you decide to go away, okay? But it's not gonna be me who says, no, you're not good enough. Who am I to say you're not good enough to do AA? Who am I to say that? That's not my job. My higher power has gifted me with the opportunity to do this. It's a gift from my higher power to be a part of your life. I am not just gonna eh, throw it off to the side. That's not gonna happen. And then we do the fourth step. Working the fourth and fifth step with a guy is like magic. To me, I know it's not to them until after the fact. You know, we go by the book, do the columns. I tell them we're going down the columns. Do all this column first, do this column second. So our mind only thinks about one thing when we're doing it. And we only do it in sections. First we're gonna do the harms and then we're gonna do the resentments. We're not trying to get it all done. And I just ask to look at it a couple of times while they're doing it. It doesn't have to be this elaborate thing and the columns don't have to be perfect and all that stuff. Let's just get it on paper. Because what we really care about is that column over here, what I'm saying is on the right, are those character defects. Let's find those character defects. I don't care what you've done. I really don't care what anybody has done. It's not up to me. I'm not the judge and jury. We just want to help you figure out what those character defects are. So when you start to feel out of sorts, that's what I'm telling them. When you're feeling out of sorts, we know what to focus on. Is it my fear? Is it my ego? Is it my pride? Which one of those couple of things do I got to focus on? You know, and then you get that done. And <clears throat> the fifth step. Working a fifth step with somebody, because I didn't feel this way when I did it with Mark. It was just me getting rid of my stuff. But being on the other side of that, when a young man says, here, here's everything that's been ruining my life, all the garbage, all that stuff, you know, that they've been carrying around in that sack over their shoulder. It's been weighing them down for how long and making them feel unworthy, usually. That's how we feel, it's unworthy when we're carrying that stuff around for such a long time. And they say, here, just take this. And my God says to me, yeah, Tony, you can take that. Go ahead, you can take that. And with my help, you're gonna turn it into gold for this person. It's their asset now. We will not turn our back on the things we used to do. It now becomes an asset. And you get to see that right in front of your eyes. You get to see that. Sometimes you see it right then and there when you do that fifth step with somebody. You see the magic happening. Sometimes it comes later on, slow and gradual. And it's a blessing, unbelievable. The first time I did it, and we did, I was never gonna stop sponsoring people. I never felt the way I did 
as being a part of my God's world as I did when I was spending that time with another human being tied into their world I was a part of. I wasn't separated. It was me and this other human being just being human. It was just unbelievable. It was, there's an experience that can't be described. And I would tell my guys that when you get here, because I always tell them in the beginning, we're going to step 12. That's where you're going. We're not stopping. We're going to 12. You're going to do this thing. I will bug you about standing up at the, my home group, the marble meeting, and getting somebody to work with. That's what we're going to do. But when you do it, you're going to be overwhelmed. Quick little side story. Long time ago, I used to go camping in the wintertime. Mary and a couple other couples, we'd go camping down at Cook Forest. And there was one weekend we were down there. And there was snow, it had just snowed overnight. It was Saturday and we were going up to the tower and the view and the snow was fresh. It was clean and white and bright and the sun was out, blue sky, no clouds. And the eight of us are hiking through the woods and it was glorious. It was glorious. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, life doesn't get any better than this. I was just overwhelmed with joy, right? And we're coming down, if you've ever been to Cook's Forest, we're coming down off the little hill when you come down from the tower in the view. There's a little bit of hill and you're coming down to the parking lot. All right, and we're coming down and I, I'm telling you, I am almost in tears because I'm loving this weekend so much because it's so great. And my phone rings. Now, if you've ever been at Cook's Forest and your phone rings, you know it's a little weird. Was that a better answer this? You know, being a parent, a grandparent, you get that little bit of in your belly. And it's my buddy Billy, one of my sponsees. He says, Tony, I just did my first fist step with one of my guys. And he's almost in tears. He said, it was better than you ever described it to me. He says, I can't put it into words, Tony. And I said, I know, I know just how you feel. So just a little side note, when I thought God couldn't make it any better for me on this glorious day with my friends and the snow shining, God said, well, let me just show you. And he did. It was wonderful. But it was the same experience for Bill, because we had done all that stuff. We went through the steps, and he saw the importance of working with somebody. It was just a, it was such a treat. It was such a treat. So we do that fifth step and that relief, and we talk about six and seven. Six and seven is another one of those kind of personal steps. There's nothing that I can really do or say or check off on a box that I'm going to know that a guy that I work with is really committed to doing amends and getting ready to do amends and turning their life over again because that's really what we're doing in six and seven it's just turning it over again you know it's just another let's turn it over here okay god and let's get ready to do eight and nine eight's pretty easy with anybody i've ever worked with because we've already got it we've already got it from step four we just kind of shorten it up who was it and what do we got to fix and i'm big on what do we got to fix it's not an I'm sorry step. It's a what do we got to fix step. Okay, because if you were me, I've made a lot of mistakes out there and I had to fix a lot of stuff. You know, I had to go out and fix stuff, which is kind of terrible, yucky. It's not a good feeling to go out and fix things. But once you do it, once you do it, I stole a lot of stuff from the place I used to work at. Thousands of dollars of tools and equipment and supplies, right? So I had to fix that. 
I had to fix Tony, you gotta fix that. You gotta fix it. Can't walk up to the boss and say, hey, by the way, over the past five years I've been stealing. I don't know how much. I'm guessing maybe four or five thousand dollars worth of stuff. Couldn't do that. But I still had to fix it. So I would work weekends and not clock in. Till I thought I was done. You know, I didn't get to see the joy on my employer's face for being a good guy as some of us do, because then when you're working with somebody and they start to go out into the world and they understand, because number nine, and I try to emphasize this with anybody I work with, number nine is the first real step where we're going back out into the world. Up until number nine, it's been kind of cozy. It's just been me, you, and God. You know, and that's kind of comfortable. It's kind of easy, me sitting around with my sponsor, a sponsee, and God, that's easy. We're having coffee, we're talking, it's, you know, oh, now I gotta go out in the world and start dealing with those people that I've wronged and bringing it home and taking care of that stuff that I've been carrying around in that sack. You've gotta take care of that stuff you've been carrying around in that sack and make it right so you can get back into the world because we're going to step 12, that's where we're going. And if we don't do this stuff, you can't do step 12 because you can't explain to somebody why they need to do it or the joy of doing it. You can't explain that to them because you haven't felt it. And to see a guy, he's got his list and we'll go through it and we break it down and what we normally do when I work with a guy, and I've gotten this from my sponsor Eric, is, and I'm sure a lot of you do it the same way. I can get these ones done right now. These are the easy ones, let's tackle those. Here's those middle ones, eh, yeah, and here's those other ones, eh, those other ones. We want to tackle those easy ones first, so we start to get that feeling of accomplishment and that understanding of this isn't that bad. People aren't going to treat me out of sorts. They're not going to treat me badly. They're going to be very, very welcoming most of the time. And they're going to be overwhelmingly happy that you're on this path. And I haven't seen it fail yet. I haven't seen it fail yet. And then once you start fixing some stuff, it's for me and most of the guys that I've ever worked with, once you start fixing things, actually fixing things, you know, paying back some monies, living sober, you know, it starts to happen. Because now you're out in the world <coughs> and you're treating the world the way the world needs to be treated and you're treating yourself the way the, you should treat yourself. And your higher power is there with you all the time. And the promises, that's when our promises start to come true. When we're out there doing this thing, we're actually out there doing something in the world and fixing it. So that's how we look at nine. Now we're at 10, 11, and 12. As far as I'm concerned, the meat and the potatoes of the program, Tim was absolutely right. If I do 10, 11, and 12, if the guys that I'm working with do 10, 11, and 12 every day to the best of their ability, there's no way you're not gonna get a little bit better. And I talk to my guys, I, it's big to me that this is the instructions for life. And when you read the book, and it, the instructions, the 10 and 11 in the book, Anybody could read those things and do them and live a very good life. Have a great outline for a good, positive way to live in this world. And I emphasize making amends quickly because we don't want to carry. I didn't want to carry. I know the pain of carrying 
a resentment or an anger for longer than I should. And I don't want to see any of the guys that I'm working with carry an anger or resentment or whatever longer than they need to. We need to recognize it, make amends for it, and I always recommend bring it up in the evening inventory, step 11. I'm a big 11 guy when I'm talking with my guys. Inventory, 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 inventory. If we're not looking at ourselves, we don't know where we got to go to fix something if we're not looking at ourselves. And our book tells us to do it every day. And I'm big on that with my guys. I'm big on that. You've got to check yourself. And you always got to check yourself with your God being involved all the time. And starting off your day. I'm big with that. I will emphasize that with my guys. They start their day off with God. Where are we going today, God? Where are we going and how are we going to do it? Now we're at 12. I'm working with somebody in there. How can I go out in the world and do number 12? I can't do number 12. How can I do number 12? How can I sponsor somebody? Ain't nothing to sponsor nobody. The fact of the matter is, and I firmly believe this, and I try to explain this to the best of my ability, anybody that I'm working with is, well, let's see. God just removed from you the biggest deficit you ever had. Your drug addiction and your alcoholism took it away. And you don't have that right now. I'm pretty sure if God can take that away from you, God can help you sponsor somebody. Especially there's a book right there with instructions and you got a sponsor who's already done it. Should be fairly easy. If your God can take away your alcoholism, your God can walk with you when you're sponsoring with somebody. If we just do it with love, and spirituality with love and spirituality and put ego aside because it has nothing to do with me except that I'm gonna remain sober that's all I'm gonna remain sober because my book tells me until this day I'm batting a thousand with sponsees because I haven't picked up a drink yet hasn't happened so when it comes to sponsorship I have stayed sober along the way I've seen guides men's lives change in front of me why would you want to do this thing that's why to be a part of and actually see it and feel it in your core you know it's not me but I can't help but feeling it when they change you know they talk about a paycheck they talk about their kids going to school and getting A's they talk about buying a house they talk about their sick child and them getting through it without picking up a drink. They tell you these things along the way. It's not all good. What your sponsees go through, what I go through, is not all good. I've seen some tragic things happen in people's lives. But they didn't pick up. And they were working with people. Everybody that I've seen that's attempted to work with somebody has had a good life. There's a lot of other folks, too, that have good lives in AA. I'm not saying that that's the only way. I'm just saying that this is how I know it to be true for me and the guys that I work with. It just gets to a level that is unbelievably good. My higher power has blessed me with that. And it's just explained in the book. Nothing I said is new. Nothing of it is mine. I didn't invent any of this stuff I just said. It's all in the book. I've just paraphrased quite a bit for my own life and my own experience. And that's my take on sponsorship. Thank you. Thanks, Jim.
Tony. So we've got time for some questions. If you have a question for Tony, go ahead and raise your hand. I have a very complicated question. What is your sobriety date? Oh, my sobriety yeah. date is May 21st, 1995. Okay, thank you so much and thank you, Tony. Um, I really learned a lot from what you had to say tonight. Um, and that was really my only question. Uh, but I also wanted to say that I went around to meetings for almost a year before I got a sponsor. And I finally admitted to other women that I didn't have a sponsor. And that is somebody then who directed me to, who has been my sponsor now for 13 years. And uh, so I didn't do it the right way that you explained, but I think, you know, when you say take, take action and instead of sitting there waiting for someone to come up to you, that's certainly something that needs to happen. So thank you. I do want to say one thing. There is no wrong way to do a right thing. If we're sitting in AA, it's good. It's good. If we're in an AA meeting, it's good. I didn't want to make that sound like I said that. And I apologize if it sounded like that. Tony, that was fabulous. Um, I do have a question for you, though. I really respect you saying that you've never fired a sponsee. What do you do with a sponsee, though, that doesn't call you, not going to meetings, continuing to pick up? What, what do you do with them? How do you handle that? I, I don't handle it. They've stopped calling. So they've ended, that's their responsibility. Well, let's say they call you like once a week. They call me, then I just talk AA. I just talk strictly AA. It comes on hard and heavy. What did you do this week in AA? Did you open your book? Why? Was Gilligan's Island more important than opening your big book? What football game were you watching? Because I know uh, whoever isn't going to come and do 12-step you if you pick up again. What were you doing that was so important that you couldn't open up the big book? What meetings did you go to? I will talk AA thick and heavy so they know when they call that that's all they're going to get. I'm not going to ask about the football game. I'm not going to ask about the kids. I'm not going to ask what terrible happened to them. I'm going to ask what they did for AA. And one of two things will always happen. They'll fade away and stop calling or they'll say, you know what, let's get on this batting wagon and go. Okay. You know. Good. It's not my place to, God has gifted me with that person, so I'm not going to be the one that says, go away. As the eagles do, they peel the feathers out of the nest to make it more prickly for the baby birds so they fly away. That's all I'm trying to do right there. <laughs> Who else has a question? Okay. Looks like my work is done here. <laughs> Anybody? Last call. Hi, my name is Carolyn. I'm an alcoholic. Thanks so much for sharing. Um, I, I was listening to you talking about going out and finding people to sponsor. And I was going, well, I didn't do that. And then I remembered I did years ago. If we lived in a kind of a rural area, and so if a woman would show up, I'd just tell her, I'm your sponsor. Um, what is, could you be a little more specific about what your experience with that is, what you do? For me, it's, I mean, I've had gentlemen ask me to be their sponsor, which is wonderful. But most of the guys I've gotten, it's been because I've walked up to somebody, they stood up in a meeting and introduced this new, 
or at my home group, we ask people who want to sponsor and can sponsor to please stand up. And anybody who needs a sponsor to please stand up and we try to hook them up that way. Okay. And I just offer myself to a new person. When I need, I'm like, I'm right now, I'm in the need of a new person. My guy Ross came tonight. I figured I needed a prop, so I asked Ross to show up just in case. <laughs> but Ross is here, but he is to that point. He's going to start standing up at the marble meeting. He's going to start shaking hands and asking, saying, hey, I did this thing. Can I help you do AA? Can I help you do AA? And I'm going to say the sad part about that when Ross here, because Ross is going to have a year, he's going to start doing that. He's going to start shaking hands. And somebody's going to say to him, how much time do you have? And he's going to say a year. And this is going to sound out of line. And, but that's the culture we've created. We've made it sound like you have to get some guy, some gal with years of experience under their belt to sponsor you so they know, get a good sponsor. Get somebody with years. Yeah, that's what we say. Bill and Bob didn't have any of that stuff. That first bunch didn't have any of that. All they had was the willingness, which Ross has, is the willingness. And he's going to go out there and do it. Plus, he's got me. Plus, he's got his grand sponsor. Plus, he's got his higher power. Plus, he's got the book. And he's got a car. He can pick you up. <laughs> and that sounds silly, but that's the truth. That's the truth of the matter. All we need is a cup of coffee. It can be in a kitchen, it can be in a car, it can be a ride around the beach. We just got to stick our hands out there. I wish in more meetings, instead of saying, get yourself a good sponsor, we'd say, hey, if you work the steps, get yourself a good sponsee. The book says we're supposed to do that. There is no doubt about that. Nowhere in that book does it say, go out and find a sponsor. It doesn't say that anywhere. It says we go out and find somebody to work with. We go out. Those of us who have done this thing. I think that might have answered your question. It did. Thank you. Tony, that was very excellent. I'm John and I'm an alcoholic. That was very excellent on a lot of different levels. I guess my question is that the first time someone approached you and asked you to sponsor them, you said you stood there perplexed and a bit dumbfounded. Can I ask you what you, you did say to them. And then secondly, at what point did you feel that you were prepared to be a sponsor? And at what point uh, do you suggest to your sponsees that they are now prepared to do what, what you just explained, which was to actively seek sponsees? That first guy, I was perplexed. And in some shape or fashion, I just basically told him I couldn't do it because I didn't have a sponsor and I can't do what I don't have. I can't do it. You know, and then once I started working with Tim and we did a lot of the review that I had done with Mark previously, which was not long, a month or so, you know, we just talked about all of that stuff and what I had to do and my amends and all that. Because I had been in AA, I'd been listening to you folks. So then I just started. I just started and like I said, Ross is coming up on a year now, I'm pointing to Ross, and he has done these steps. I know that he's done them. We've done number nine. I know he's been out there in the world doing things. I know we talk about, he's ready. He's ready. The book says we just try. Just like me, Ross is going to rely on his higher power to help him help somebody else. And that somebody else is going to have a higher power that helps them. And the wonderful thing about that 
which we do so well in AA. We do it so well in AA, and if we could just carry it over into the rest of the world, man. I will sit there with Ross, and he has his God, and I have my God, and we're both relying on our God, but neither one of us says, your God is wrong, my God is right, my God is right. Your God, we don't care. We just know and love the fact that somebody else is relying on something bigger than themselves to get where they need to go. And we do that so well in AA. I know most of us have a higher power in this room, but we're not going to beat up on each other's higher power. We're not going to go there because we just know how good it is because we have one. Just how good it is because we have one. Did that answer the question, John? Yes, thank you. Okay. Hey, Eric, alcoholic. Uh, when you first started sponsoring people, did you find it difficult to not give advice yeah. to certain questions? And oh, how God. did you deal with people that wanted advice or prying for advice? It's like anything else you learn along the way. I was a knucklehead in the beginning. You know, I was. I, I don't sponsor like now like I did back then. Poor Mr. Tulio, my, one of my good friends, Chris. I threw out his name. He doesn't really care. I know that. But... I would just get so angry. I was still learning. I would. I'd be like, what are you so? And I would, <laughs> don't you get this? And he'd say, why are you yelling at me? And I'm like, because I want you to be sober. You know, and you realize that that doesn't work. That's ego. It's a, it's a learning process. It says we try. I emphasize that three letters, try. We're learning. There is no way. And I, maybe, maybe somebody gets it right off the bat and they're, and they're golden at it, but this guy wasn't. I was learning all along the way. Just like anything else I've learned in my life, I start off by making mistakes, you know, and growing from them. Now I just know it's a place of love that I'm coming from based in my higher power. You know, it has nothing to do with me. But yeah, and advice, you get, I get guys that ask me for advice all the time. And if I've got a relationship, new guys I usually won't give advice to. It's going to be AA, you know, because I don't know if we've gotten to that friendship stage yet, because it changes, it, you know, it grows and stuff. Usually don't give a lot of advice, but guys that I've been around, I will tell them out, okay, this isn't AA. This is just Tony talking now. You've asked a question, do you really want me to answer it? Because I can be kind of blunt with folks and give them advice. Or I'll tell them, I know somebody or I don't know anything about it, but I'll make sure that they understand that it is an AA. You know, if it's, because they'll ask about wives, they'll ask about money, they'll ask about buying a house. Oh my God, I'm not a realtor, you know what I mean? <laughs> you got the money? Well then, yeah, maybe, I don't know. But it's, I'll make sure that they know it's not AA. Now, it's just Tony, their friend that they know speaking. And I kinda, but not with the new guys. The new guys, if we're working steps, we're working steps. You know, and our book says it does a wonderful job addressing all of that in, in the chapter to working with others. It talks about wives, it talks about kids, it talks about financial, it talks about people living with you. It goes into all great detail on what we should do. And usually it says, eh, don't do any of that. Kind of what it says. Don't do any of that stuff, which is good.
Hello, Gretchen Alcoholic. Hello, Gretchen Alcoholic. Thank you, Tony. You did a great job. My question is, where do you find the newcomer? Where do I find the newcomer? Yeah. Like somebody to work with. Yeah. In the meetings. Every meeting I go to. Yeah. So you have to be at meetings? Oh, oh you're emphasizing meetings. <laughs> but I'm gonna say, I'm gonna I'm gonna step back a moment. Because I'm gonna go to the book. Right. The book doesn't say that. I said earlier, it's easy for us. We go to meetings and they stand up or they raise their hand. The book spells it out. Go see a priest, go see a doctor, go to the hospital. It tells you to get off your butt and go out there and find, that's a lot of work. We're very fortunate today because we do have meetings, okay? We do, but you've got to remember, that's amazing to me, is there was some guy or woman who got this book. They were living in Kansas all by themselves in some back alley, and this book showed up in the mail. And they read it and they got sober. They read the book and got sober. And then they went and found somebody else and started their own meeting and saw a fellowship grow up around them. It's the book. It's not me. This book and your higher power can do miracles. It can. With or without meetings, with or without us, this book and a higher power can do it. Thank you. I believe that firmly. Thank you. Hello, Tony. Jeff, alcoholic. Kind of piggyback on that. Have you had anybody outside of these rooms reach out to you, you know, seeing how you carry yourself through this program and ask you how you do it, sponsor them that way? Did, they, did you get a chance? They come in rooms and well, I have had, a sponsor. Well, I had family members come to me and say, hey, we got this one, okay? And we know you're doing this. What can you do with this person? And I'm thinking of one individual in particular right now. He has got I think 13 years of sobriety. I picked him up. I said, your family, I'm taking you to a meeting. I'm gonna introduce you to some folks that are good folks, but we can't do this thing because your family, and it'll just be people saying, well, what did he say? What did he say? Because family wants to know. And that takes away from the intimacy of it. And that young man has got 13 years of sobriety. He did, he did it like I did. He walked into that meeting, he shook hands, he was overwhelmed at being there, and it worked. But yeah, you know, I've had that happen in a few other occasions because if they're family or friends, the other people involved, they come at you. What's going on? What's he doing? What's happening in their life? And that's not what, that's, it's, it's, we're anonymous, it's intimate. It's a very intimate relationship, and it has to stay that way. So I'll pass those people off to folks that I trust and love and care about in these rooms. You know? Is that it? Okay. I just had another kind of thing on that, uh, the meetings part. And so um, it seems that there are certain meetings where there's a lot more new people. Well, they seem to gravitate there. Some, there are some places have newcomers meetings. So um, do you suggest that um, people go to those meetings, maybe not the ones that they're comfortable at, but maybe go to some they aren't? Yes, I would suggest that if you are at the point where you've had the spiritual awakening and you're ready to do this thing, you should be going, you should be doing what the book says. And I can't, I'm gonna say it again. The book says, we have to go out and find somebody. 
and it tells us back then they were going to hospitals, they were going to churches, they were calling doctors. We don't have to do that, yes. So go to meetings where there's new people standing up and saying, hey, I'm new, I need help. You can go to the rehab. I know they, I know Gadenzia lets you all come in and talk. I know, uh, yeah, it just left my head. Mill Creek. Mill Creek, yes, but the other one, it used to be, but yeah, they're available to us. It, it, it's, they show up at every meeting, the vans pull up. They pull up in front of the meeting and they get out, come to my home group, the Marvel meeting. If you need a newbie, come to the Marvel meeting. We'll hook you up. They're there every week. You know, it's God's gift to an alcoholic on Friday night at the Marvel meeting. They just don't come gift wrapped. They're just ready. <laughs> All right, Tony, thanks. All right.